Welcome to Sons of Gun, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. I'm Justin Gunn. And this episode, we're going to be fighting our dad, because our dad is the strongest, but we're stronger and fighting is cool. And you know that, because we're going to be talking about Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I love seeing these guys fight, you know? Uh, I love to watch them fight, but I hate to watch them leave. That's the expression, right? Yeah, that's it. And that's the way I felt watching this movie. I hate to watch this movie continue to not leave my TV screen. (laughs) Don't blow up your spot. I'm definitely going to ask you how you felt about the movie. Now, the reason we're talking about this is the same reason we were talking about Man of Steel. We're leading up to The Flash, which is the unofficial end of this part of the DCEU. But as far as we know, potentially some elements are going to be taken forward into James Gunn's new DC universe. I guess we'll see how well the movie Mm. does. When it comes up in another week or so Uh, But that said, this is a big intro for a bunch of folks who are in the movie Of course, Ben Affleck as Batfleck, a.k.a. Batman, is introduced Mm. to this movie Also, spoiler here, but Ezra Miller as The Flash is introduced to this movie as well And if, um, I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and say there might be some other folks that show up as well over the course of the movie We've heard there's lots of cameos and Easter eggs and other things So this movie... Even more than Man of Steel, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is a kickoff uh, to Justice League, which was supposed to be a kickoff into Justice League Part 2. Obviously, that never happened, but a lot of stuff to plug into there. Now, before we do that, though, I wanted to get your feeling, and this is the same thing we did with Man of Steel, but your feeling on seeing this the first time and then re-watching mm. it this time. And I'll note right off... When I saw it in theater, obviously I saw the theatrical cut. This time, which is the second time I've ever watched the movie, I watched Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, the ultimate cut, which is on Max. I don't know because there isn't another one. Exactly, you can't. Yeah, no choice. You have to watch the ultimate cut. Um, So that said, let's get. What was your What was your opinion the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I remember uh, being like, ugh. This is so unnecessarily dour. These characters are supposed to be at least a little more fun. And and I just thought that the way it all came together in the last third was messy, uh, mm-hmm. I remember thinking. And uh, wishing, still having the bad taste in my mouth coming off of Man of Steel of like, God, Superman, he, he's a little bit better in this because he, you get to see some emotion uh, at a couple points. But just being like, oh, this is such a not fun version of all these characters. And then apparently I deleted every single memory of this movie <laughs> because watching this, I was like. I got fresh eyes on this. I couldn't. If someone asked me to describe the plot of this movie before I rewatched it, I would have had absolutely (laughs) zero idea. I would have remembered fighting between them. I didn't even Mm -hmm. remember Doomsday. I I truly, I erased this from my mind. Yeah. The, uh, my main reaction, I remember very clearly coming out of this movie is, 
and I mentioned this in the Man of Steel podcast. I was still very livid over Man of Steel, over the plot choices yeah. there. I was very upset. So I looked on that very negatively. So I remember coming out of Batman v Superman being like, well, this is boring. This should not be this boring and take this long to have them fight in a movie called Batman v Superman. We don't need to be so ponderous in this thing, but it's better than Man of Steel. That was definitely my reaction here. Mm. Like, at least it's just sort of even throughout. To jump into the next part of the criticism, watch this again, and maybe this was a function of watching the ultimate cut, which is another 31 minutes long. This is awful. This is <laughs> like horribly awful. And the first thing that I'd point out in terms of its awfulness is revisiting Man of Steel for the first time in years. At least that looks like something. You know, right. Zack Snyder, if nothing else, if you don't want to praise anything else about Zack Snyder, he knows how to make things look like things. Like, he he crafts yeah. interesting action sequences. They're dynamic. They're exciting. He knows how to shoot them. This is a huge step down from Man of Steel. It is... Mm. Maybe it's the function of him trying to channel Gotham City and Batman at the same time as Superman and Metropolis, and it just hit this dead center. But a lot of the movie just really is very flat to me, looks like garbage, particularly the Gotham City scenes are very flat, and the Doomsday fight is awful. It's just like it's the Hulk fighting them, but particularly after a movie where you've spent too much time with human beings when you have these two godlike figures that are supposed to be fighting to then throw in a CGI monstrosity at the end looks bad. Yeah. And they could have the, the, when his bones doomed doomsday's bones protruded becoming the doomsday from the comics. I was like, well, at least this isn't straight up the Hulk because the first <laughs> half of the fight when I'm like, come on, man, get him out, do something different. Doesn't mean, uh, so like, yes, I agree. It doesn't, there are certain moments. I feel like the movie started, like if you had never seen the Wayne's death, that was a cool shot, cool series of shots. Yeah, have they, have they depicted that in any movies yet? Because I was pretty excited to see that. I was like, Oh, that's how they died. Is that why well, he becomes Batman? Let me just answer your question by saying that Martha Wayne's pearl necklace has a longer IMDb page than all of us combined. <laughs> so, yes, it's been depicted. I, the, inno- the innovation here of the gun itself breaking the necklace, I was like, okay, well, sure. So that's something I am going to probably sound very negative on this podcast because, again, my previous reaction was like, well, it's a step up from Man of Steel here. This seemed like gobbledygook nonsense watching this three-hour movie, to be frank. Like, there were parts where I was laughing out loud. It was so ridiculous. It felt like, to me, and I also watched um, all of the Batman movies recently. Batman and Robin is one that, it's not that it's aged well, but at least it's goofy and stupid and nonsense, but it's trying to be that. This is goofy and stupid and nonsense, and it's trying to be serious. And those two things clash so hard throughout the course of the movie. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it was about the gun necklace. Oh, yes. So I started to read this article that broke down all the changes between Batman v Superman and the Ultimate Edition, and I got like 2,000 words in before I gave I like, up. Because I was like, this is exhausting. <laughs> this is enough. I don't need to write this again. But uh, one of the things they added in the Ultimate Version cut is the shot where the guy shoots her in the face. Basically, like, you don't I see know, that, I was but like, I was like, unnecessary. We don't need to see this. 
A hundred percent. And then the fact that he sort of young Bruce Wayne floats like a bat god at the beginning. I was like, mm-hmm. if they're trying to make a statement, the movie being about like the difference between God and man or whatever. But like, it just makes it seem like Batman can control bats and fly a little bit. <laughs> yes. And I was like, this would be confusing if I didn't know that he can't do those things. Right. Well, he also has precognitive dreams and other things throughout the movie. There's a lot of stuff going on with Batman. Well, like to talk about some of that, I was like, this movie is so complicated and confusing. And then you stop like at a bunch of different points or like, Here's some other stuff that has nothing to do with any of this. And like they cut right into that scene of Batman in the in the, the post-apocalyptic desert and Superman killing a bunch of people and being like, you, it's your fault. And then Flash showing up. And then it's a it's a it seems like it's he's in the lab doing his thing. And the Flash interrupts him. And then it's he wakes up from a dream, but the papers are blowing as if it was. I was like, why did you make this purposefully confusing at the end? You purposefully confused us here. Yeah, because I think the implication is that it did happen. Yes, absolutely. 100% did happen. I I mean, I know we're jumping all over the place. By the way, we assume people have seen this movie at some point or are being, um, I was going to say, fondly reminded. Reminded. Honestly, this is a better way to experience it. It's just us (laughs) complaining about it. This is Um, the ultimate edition of our podcast. Yeah, it's true. This is definitely. So just to lay out the sequence, it's what's called the nightmare sequence. So it shows a post-apocalyptic future and it starts off just seeming to be Batman doing his typical ludicrous thing of wearing his entire costume in the desert with goggles on it, which is very silly, but also straight out of the comics. He's always putting on masks over his mask and whatever. But as the sequence builds, we start to get power demons in there. You see an Omega sign, which is dark side. So the implication is clear that Apocalypse, uh, the planet, has taken over Earth being led by Darkseid, Superman is working for him, and the way that the Flash comes through time, just like he does in Crisis on Infinite Earths to Batman, is that he's traveled back in time because something happened to Lois, which potentially is setting up that this is supposed to be like some amalgamation of Crisis on Infinite Earths, Injustice, and mm-hmm. also uh, whatever whatever you call it, like not Final Crisis, but some sort of thing where Dark, yeah, I guess Final Crisis, Dark Side takes over. So it's supposed to be some sort of weird amalgamation of that. But like you said, the implication is like, nope, it's a dream. But also later on at the end of the movie, Batman tells Wonder Woman, uh, something's coming, and she's like, what? And he's like, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no idea, just something, just got a feeling. I have a feeling, yeah. I mean, there. I guess a more positive way of framing this, I think, is, and don't worry, he'll still complain about stuff, uh, is, like, there's just a ton of missed opportunity with this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, to have Ben Affleck as Batman, who is, like, a a hard-partying millionaire, he plays the worst, most dour, unlikable Bruce Wayne. I was like, literally, just have Ben Affleck wander around set. And fill, give him a drink and film that and let us enjoy <laughs> that. And they just miss every opportunity. They Batman is so lame in this movie. He's trying so hard as a character to be cool. And I'm like, this is he's a horrible detective. He's wrong the entire movie. He the, makes uh, cho- one thing that I completely not to interrupt, but I don't want to forget Please. this one. One thing I completely forgot that I remember 
laughing out loud about when I saw the movie the first time and I had completely, like you, put out of my memory until this time was the whole mystery about the white Portuguese where he's like, who is white yeah. Portuguese? White Portuguese. <laughs> what could that be? And then it turns out to be the name of a boat, an easily like, Googleable thing. I was like, Google that shit, dude. It's so, it's so stupid. Yeah. And he, he's fooled the whole time. He makes the whole, I mean, this is the biggest, and this is the thing I did remember, is the Martha thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so dumb. It's so I can see that sounding cool in a room. You're like figuring out with the other writers. You're like, oh, did you know this? That they're both their moms are named Martha. And it's like, has anyone ever done that before? No. Holy shit, we gotta do this Martha thing. It's but it's it's the same. And I so like you fall in love with an idea, you put it in. Fine. But like it's like being like, hey, my dad loves hats. What'd you say? Hats? My dad wore a hat, and that that's the the moment of the movie. That's the entire plot hinges on that. It's 100% also, and I had forgotten how hardcore it was, because everybody, including myself, including all of us, has made fun of that Martha scene where they were like, save Martha, for years yeah. at this point. First of all, I'd forgotten how long it went on, but I had also forgotten that it's basically the stepbrothers, I think we just became best friends sequence, yeah. where they're fighting on the lawn, and then they realize that they like each other because they have similar things, and that they're best friends after that. Because, like, the next scene, literally Batman is ref- telling his mom, he's like, I'm a friend of your son. And I was like, you were trying to kill him with yeah. a kryptonite spear five minutes ago. Five well, minutes. I, and, and on the Superman side, he's like, oh, wow, you almost killed me. I'm going to entrust you with saving my mom while I fuck around for 20 minutes and then show up at Lex Luthor's to fight with him. I was like the, so let's talk about this fight, like in a hole, because I do think let's go to a hole and talk about, I feel like I'm in a hole when I absolutely do emotionally. Um, There is something in terms of the framing, which I had forgotten about that makes no sense and it feels like it came through rewrites but the initial instinct of superman when he's presented with this choice by lex luther lex luther has kidnapped his mother is like i'm gonna kill your mom in an hour unless you kill batman why he wants that not 100 sure not clear but that's the situation characters have never interacted before <laughs> yes uh but superman is feeling trapped about this and so he goes tells lois and he's like I got to convince Batman to help save my mom. And I'm like, okay, that is a good move. And then Henry Cavill does this thing where he flies away. He's like, or maybe I have to kill him. And the way he says it was like a petulant little boy, which is ridiculous. The way you do this thing is Superman is defensive the entire time. You know, Batman is on the offense and Superman is not actually getting pissed off, which is what happens here. And he's like, Listen to me, and then throws Batman through a wall, which is nonsense, absolute yeah. nonsense. Like it's nonsense when like Wolverine does it, or another mm-hmm. character that's quote unquote gritty. But when Superman, the Beacon, who has enough power to let Batman throw everything at him and not and still try to talk to him, when he's like, I'll just throw him around for a little bit. I don't give a shit. It's just like, <laughs> no, get out of here. Yeah. And again, like you're building up to this fight. The whole movie is called Batman v Superman. So we know that's going to happen at some point. But there's a way of making that fight exciting and dynamic, interesting to watch while Superman is trying to prevent Batman from hurting him and himself the entire time. But that's clearly not what they wanted to do. You know, this is 
two things I'll say about this. One, the bigger topic, and I'll say this quickly because this is the big thing that I was thinking about the entire time. These characters are unrecognizable as the characters they're supposed to be. So Superman doesn't act like Superman. Batman doesn't act like Batman. Lex Luthor acts like the Joker, not like Lex the Luthor. The whole time. The entire time. The, it just seems like to come from this massive misunderstanding of the characters. But the other thing that I wanted to mention that I was thinking about watching this time through there's been this long-standing conversation, particularly coming from the Zack Snyder fandom, based on the Man of Steel Zod neck-stabbing thing. That it's like, oh, well, you know, he's younger. We talked about this in the last podcast, but yeah. he's younger. He has to learn how not to kill. That That's stupid. I disagree with it. That's not Superman, but fine. Whatever that's in the rearview mirror. If that is his arc over the course of these three movies where he's like, okay, I'm sort of learning how to be Superman and be the Superman you want to know want to be, he kills somebody in the first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, something like that. When he's saving Lois, there's that terrorist who is holding Lois at gunpoint. He takes him and he pulverizes his body through two stone walls. That guy does not survive that. The entire movie, Superman is like, I don't want to kill this person, but I might. And he's wrestling with the fact like, I made all these choices and let these people die. He even, he brings a guy to prison, right? At one point, because he knows that's going to kill him because of the right. bat brand thing. So that's not Superman. That's not how Superman acts. I'm sorry. Well, I agree. And especially that moment with Lois where like, it's like flirty. And then she, he kills that dude. And she's like, yeah, I was like, well, yuck. And my, <laughs> sorry, this is right after they execute Jimmy Olsen. I will, and that's where I was like, I had no memory of that. I was like, why make him Jimmy Olsen just to kill? He did nothing right. except die. Like, unnecessary. Like, why do you hate Jimmy Olsen so bad? But that's when I had my other big takeaway from this is this is like Sid from Toy Story playing with your favorite action figures. Mm -hmm. Because it's just it's very boyish. It's very everything's boyishly done. It's like a little like a misunderstanding of what it means to be like a grown up or like a man posturing around being super self-serious, smashing anything that you don't think is the Batman or Superman, smashing them against each other, not making a ton of sense and just generally being like, I don't care what I blow up here. Well, and I think I'd add in, it's all of that, but Sid from Toy Story just found a philosophy book, like a philosophy 101 book for the first time, and he's like, what if angels were devils? What do you guys think about that? All of, yeah. all of the conversations that people have throughout this movie about philosophy are gobbledygook nonsense, like well, trying yeah. to parse what they're trying to say there. This is not how human beings talk. Well, that and it's not how human – no one talks to each other. When Lex mm. Luthor comes in, at least for a while, he's talking to people and is like engaging with them until he becomes a cartoon. But every other character is just talking past people, just like speaking. Perry White is doing bits – like shouting headlines, I was like, "You are you you don't you're in the wrong movie, oh my bro." God. Uh, speaking as somebody who works in journalism, and mind you, I don't work like in a newsroom in a newspaper or anything like that. Perry White is offensive. Like it is an yeah. offensive depiction of a newspaper editor. The way that he's constantly insulting Clark is gross and uncomfortable. Like it's not even funny. Well, how many times have you called for a chopper to the roof for one of your... Uh, so I have a question about that moment, because I think the implication there, towards the end of the movie, Lois 
uh, and I'm forgetting the exact dialogue, but Lois knows that Superman is in trouble. He's being attacked by Batman. She's like, please, I need a chopper. And he's like, what? I'm going to give you a chopper. Come on. I'm not going to give you a chopper. And she's like, it's not for Superman. And yeah. Lawrence Fishburne gives this look where the implication seems to be that he knows that Clark is Superman and that's maybe why he's been doing all this stuff. Did you get that as well? Or yeah. Well, the, yeah. I mean, that's the scene sort of points at that, but it does also doesn't make sense if that's true because I, I, that's crazy. The idea that he knows when he's like, Clark, where's your story about this football game? You want to cover this lame story about the dark knight who kills people and brands mm-hmm. them? Not interesting. Give me this football story about how <laughs> Gotham lost or whatever. It's like, what are you talking about? So I know we're jumping all over the place here, but uh, let me let me ask you another question, because I don't understand how Batman works in this world. Like Superman's been around for 18 months at this point. Uh, we get to see the destruction of Metropolis from Bruce Wayne's perspective at the beginning of the movie. Cool idea. Cut, very cool idea. Very upsetting to watch. <laughs> you know, I, we talked about how the Zod fight is uh, a thousand nine elevens of the last movie. That's definitely what they're riffing off of here. And more I, so. I do, it, yeah, more it's so. Worse and, and I do think, one. I do think that idea is kind of effective. Like it's an interesting yeah. motivator for Batman to watch. Literally from the ground, like they shoot most of his scenes up, looking yeah. from far away at Superman and Zod fighting, these beams coming out. I don't know that we need the random father figure business guy that we've never met before who's dying in Wayne Tower. That's absolute nonsense. But the rest of it works, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's a good motivator to make him suspicious of Superman or just like, hey, this is probably, I know you maybe have good ideas, but this is a bad thing. Instead, they take the movie takes the wrong lessons from it and makes Batman another Lex mm-hmm. in a way that is then I don't like him because he's a vi- Batman's a villain for most of the movie because he's not listening. He's has no he's not thinking his detective work is trash. So he ends up being like a a bad like a punisher sort of. Well, so in terms of the continuity of Batman, and I'm sure there's some lengthy explanation from Zack Snyder out there that I haven't necessarily read, or maybe it was in that Ultimate Edition explainer that I only read, I don't know, one hundredth of or something like that. But <laughs> the he the implication is he's been operating for a very long time, right, in Gotham yeah. City. And this is the point as soon as Superman has come out that he's sort of veered into a place where According to Alfred, it's too much. Like, he started to brand people. He started to become the people they fight. Alfred definitely keeps going back and forth in terms of, like, you're the villain now versus, like, no, you're the real hero here, which, mind you, that's that's movie Alfred. Alfred is always all over the place in terms of yeah. his lessons and stuff, so that's fine. Rassy. But at the same time, nobody seems to know that Batman exists, and Clark has yeah. never heard of Batman, and everybody in Metropolis is like, Batman, what are you talking about? It feels like if there was there was a Joker, there's Batman, there was definitely a Robin because we see the Robin costume and clearly Robin has been killed by the Joker or something like that. Uh, there's this whole history of Batman behind him, but still he's an urban myth. Is that the idea? Well, and isn't it the, the idea here is that all of the other movies happened, right? Right. So yeah. like the, the Dark Knight Rising, a lot of big newsworthy items came about during that movie. So I feel like you'd have to really be asleep at the switch to miss out on that stuff. Yeah, the I 
I like the idea of a older Batman coming in there, like sort of the Dark Knight Returns comic book style Batman thrown into this mix against a younger Superman that is all interesting. But the way that they treat this Batman is like he is new and fresh on the scene as well. And that it just doesn't work. Like there's there's too many ideas at play here. Yeah, it's some consistency. And again, I think a little just like brightness or character would have gone so far. Like I this is coming on the heels of seeing Cross the Spider-Verse where everyone's a human down to the smaller roles in that movie and they talk like humans. And to go from watching that to watching this, I was like, where all these people talk like uh, oracles in like some myth that you're reading in uh, ninth grade or whatever. Like it's like they're just proclaiming things over and over again that it, it is really hard to just get under the skin of any of them. Uh, the exception to that. And I think she does offer a lot of brightness at point and like, at least and something to engage with is Wonder Woman here is cool. Exactly what I was going to say is as soon as maybe a little less so when she is supposed to be a mysterious woman who Bruce Wayne is interested in. But even then, every time she's on screen, it brightens up like the movie yeah. livens up every single time. And even in the final sequence with the fight in Doomsday, which otherwise is a bunch of garbage nonsense, her coming in. Immediately, everybody's like cracking jokes. They're fun. They're having yeah. a better time. Like it's just it was such a better movie with her around. Yeah, definitely. And she like she she like smiles at one point in the fight because she likes mm-hmm. to fight. And I was like, yeah, thank yes, good. <laughs> Let me. I I like this person. This person is and signaling some enjoyment here in this otherwise super dour movie. And that's why like whenever she's the sort of veil falls away, like right at the end when Superman is killed and she's there, like sort of seemingly chit-chatting with Batman. I just imagine her being like, so what happened? He's like, well, I, I made this, I found this rock and I stole it and I made a spear and I tried to kill him, but then this guy killed him. What do I do now? Like (laughs) it's nonsense. It, it absolutely is nonsense. Uh, the, Oh, there was something I was going to say about oh uh, the the final action sequence. I love the idea again on Batman being very lame in this movie. That in the final battle with Doomsday, like Batman, the entire time was like, "Oh my God, what's happening? Oh God, I'm, I'm going to hide under this rock. I'm going to die. I'm going to die." And Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman, holds him with the lasso. Yeah. Superman stabs him with the Kryptonite spear, and Batman like. Gives him a little puff of kryptonite. He's like, I do. My job is done. Well, it's it's especially funny the way it's shot, too, because like Wonder Woman's in the fight, mm-hmm. like fighting so much, gets him in the lasso. And then Superman's just getting ready to sacrifice himself. You know, he's going to do it. And then Batman hits him with a little gas can. And he's so tiny in the frame and the f- <laughs> far away. He's just like, pew, pew. And he's sort of like, yeah. <laughs> and then Superman comes through. Uh, it was just really funny. Well, it, also it, it's almost like purposeful that they make Batman lame in this movie. It, it feels like, again, this is like taking too broad of a view. Uh, I want to mention about the whole spear thing in a second, so don't let me forget about that. But the it feels like they hate these characters when you're watching them. Like they they hate Superman and they want to humiliate and embarrass him and they hate Batman and want to humiliate and embarrass him. And maybe the instinct is to be like, what if we take these gods and knock them down to size? But that's Lex Luthor's philosophy in this movie. So if you're taking the, if you are a writer and a creator and coming from the direction of Lex Luthor, you're, you're the villain. You're the villain in this scenario. Well, and I think it comes from 
I think they think these characters are lame and old mm-hmm. and the themes that embody that they embody in the comic books and in some of the other iterations of them are like not cool. And so they, they're running in the opposite direction of them. And like, they're just wrong about that because like, if you think Superman's lame, you need to find a way to take the core and put it in a different modernizer or something, mm-hmm. but they're fighting against the core of each of these characters in a different way. And it eventually happens to Wonder Woman in her later movies where they undercut the core of the character. And so it ends up being like, now you're making these weird parodies that make it make ends up making fun of the entire prospect, the entire movie and their entire like franchise. One thing that may potentially have read uh, led to this, and I haven't read into this too much, so I don't know the exact continuity, but David S. Goyer, who doesn't have a 100% track record necessarily, but he is a good writer and he knows what he's doing in the stuff. He wrote Man of Steel or co-wrote Man of Steel. He wasn't, he wrote the draft, he worked on it, and then he had to leave the project and Chris Terrio came in to work on it a bit more. My feeling is, and this is just like pure speculation, conspiracy theory type thing, but I think David Escora probably like laid out the story of the movie. And then Chris Terrio came in and injected all these philosophical things that changed it. So they had to work on it further and tweak it Mm. and move it around. So I think that's part of the reason it feels like not, no pun intended, but like warring, two warring people working on this movie at the same time that could have led to something positive with a Batman v Superman movie. Here, it feels like a bunch of mishmash tones. Uh, I wanted to mention the spear thing because this is another thing, Mm. even in a way, almost more so than the Martha thing, which is so ludicrous and so boneheaded that it almost becomes funny to watch. The whole business with the spear is insane to me because Bruce attacks Clark with the spear. He gets mm. stopped with the whole Martha thing. And then they leave. Yeah, to they go. literally walk out they, the door. They just leave. They leave Lois there in the middle of this abandoned war- warehouse, in the middle of like an abandoned island. And she's like, oh, this kryptonite spear is here. I should get rid of it. So she picks yeah. it up. She takes it, throws it into a random swimming pool that's hanging out there. Probably not a swimming pool, but it's like a water staircase or something. Well, and I was like, it's very weird they just left her there. It's weird that she picks up the spear and sort of like, yip, yip, yew, like van vamooses with it. Mm-hmm. And then she throws it in the water. And I was like, oh, does, does Aquaman give them the spirit again? I forgot. Yeah. I, I thought for sure it was an Aquaman thing because why else would she go to like throw it in the water? And then when it turned out what it was, I was like, oh, just to set up this. Well, the whole sequence of events is just moving these chess pieces around the board in a way that is absolute nonsense. And it doesn't feel like anything, like there's no emotional heft to it, where she throws the spear in and then they realize they need the spear. So she immediately, I want to say five, ten minutes later, goes back to get the spear, jumps in the water. They don't communicate to her. She just gets the idea also that they need the spear, which I was like, come on. No. (laughs) So she jumps in the water and then the building collapses because they're fighting because Doomsday is exploding with energy. And she gets trapped under the water. And then Clark, in the middle of the fight, hears Lois's distinctive banging. Like, she's not even saying anything because she's under the water. He's just like, oh, that's that's how Lois bangs at stuff. I have to go save her. Lois bangs. Well, we see see Lois bang earlier on in the movie in the bathtub, which is also underwater. (laughs) Oh, so it's a callback. 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 Yes, by the way, that scene is also much longer in the Ultimate Edition. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I was watching it and my kids walked in right then and I was like, oh, God, I can't. I didn't. I don't remember this. I, I got to tell you, I want to go back to the spear scene. Uh, just very quickly about the spear scene, and then I'll mention about the tub scene. Uh, so then, after that, she gets trapped. Superman goes to save her. He's like, "Well, you can't get the spear because you're full of water. I'm going to go get the spear, even though it'll kill me." He goes under the water, gets the spear, gets unconscious. Yeah. Then Lois goes back in, gets him out with the spear, and I was like, "What are we doing here? <laughs> Why?" If she had never thrown this in the water at the beginning, like this is just so you can get Superman off the battlefield for a little while and have Superman and Lois have a moment and that's it. And it's, again, I, I'm using this word a lot here, but it's nonsense when it happens. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tub. The tub scene, I felt embarrassed for Amy Adams. That's all. Like, I, I have no problem with nudity in movies or whatever. It's fine. I appreciate the fact that... Superman and Lois have a healthy adult relationship. I enjoy the show Superman yes. and Lois on the CW, where they also have a healthy adult relationship. But there's just something about, like, she's completely nude in a tub. And Superman comes in totally clothed with his glasses on, holding a bag of groceries and some flowers. Where I was like, why are we hanging on this? You know, why are we yeah. staying in the scene? And then, and this is a very specific thing, and I know this is more on me than the movie, but the fact that he gets in the tub with his shoes on, I was like, gross. That's gross. You're getting that dirty shoes in the tub water. This Shoe is water. Not, this is not sexy anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, in the moment, if you were one of the, I mean, watching, sure. But if you're in the moment, you're not thinking about yeah. the shoe When water. you're, say, watching, you're like outside the window, like staring yeah. in like a creep. They go, your classic Jimmy Olsen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, during that scene, I wrote down, no one is doing or saying anything normal. <laughs> I feel like that carried through the rest of the movie. Let's, do you want to talk about Lex Luthor a little bit? I know we touched on him, but Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, what do you think about this? Uh, it, like I said, like at the beginning, I was like, okay, at least this character, I was like, oh, it's a little bit of a, a palate cleanse from everyone talking in the near each other but not actually having a conversation because he was looking and talking to people but he so quickly shifts into cartoonness and like it's hard to not think mark zuckerberg a little bit watching this movie as well right. well i mean i think that's the idea right like they were riffing off the whole sexual social network yeah thing with him but i do think like i said earlier and i don't mean this derisively to him at all but one of the worst things that ever happened to superhero movies was how good Heath Ledger was as the Joker in The Dark Knight because everybody yeah. is always trying to do Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, and they can't. Like, they can't do it as well as him. Yeah. There's no reason to have Lex Luthor do that. And I like the idea of him being a tech millionaire, but things like you mentioned – introducing Doomsday as a Hulk and then having the bone things protrude. We could have just started with the bone things. It's the same thing Better. with Lex where it's like, we don't, we don't need an entire movie to find out how he got bald. That's not important. Like that's not a shout out to the fans or anything like that. Just have him have hair and it's okay. We can either, either me. Well, and like when you go to jail now, I don't think they shave you. They They're don't. not trying to get like lice off of you. You're <laughs> more of a person. And also people in prison all have hair. <laughs> so uh, that thing, I was like, I don't know what the implication is unless he was like, I do want a haircut before I go to jail. And then make it a real clean shave because he it's not just a cut. They really go down to the skin. I wish we understood better the thrall that Lex Luthor has over the government folks, like the, the push there. And I understand, in essence, a billionaire is going to have push with the U.S. government. That's how 
our country works. But there's a bunch of steps st- skip there before we get to the scene where he's shoving Jolly Ranchers in that senator or congressman yeah. or whatever is in mouth. Where I'm like, why? Why is this guy? Then it over backwards for Lex. I don't understand it. Like, we haven't had the basis there to understand it anyway. Maybe in a more ultimate edition, they go through exactly how he's uh, The maximum is. edition, perhaps? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we also get, uh, is it Holly Hunter, who yeah. is the senator, the senator who drinks Granny's peach tea? She doesn't yeah. drink it. She just explodes. Yeah. Um, she's, she's doing some work. She's tried really hard in this movie. I like Holly Hunter as an actor, but like this was also just like a tough role. Like she's, I guess, in that in that moment, about to come clean, and then she just gets blown up. <laughs> I was like, right. we can't enjoy her like come to justice moment if she literally dies before she does, yeah. and it's just like a a sad, dark, horrifying moment in the movie. Superman, rather than. Immediately trying to help people, he stands in the burning wreckage for a while, glowering. And I was like, what? <laughs> he wouldn't do that. Right. He'd be trying to. It, I, I remember thinking this back when I saw the movie as well. But like we find out that the wheelchair that Scoot McNary had is lead covered. So he didn't know about the explosives. But the way Superman moves, the speed he moves at. And this has been established so many times. Obviously not established in this movie. But like. Time would slow down. He would try to save people and seeing him try to save people and fail rather than be like, oh, man, I messed up. Oh, geez. We'll talk to my dad on the top of the mountain. What is that scene? What is going on with that scene? I guess he wanted to be a little Jor-El, give him a little Jor-El energy. I don't sure. know, but it's truly doesn't again. It, uh, I'm like, I don't know. Is this all happening in Clark's brain? I guess it must be. I, I don't know. He seems very surprised. I guess the guys he sees on the mountain are like, oh, uh, he's going to go up the mountaintop to visit that guy. And then it turns out that guy is Kevin Costner. Maybe this is maybe it's Mar- Martian Manhunter. Maybe Martian mm. Manhunter is giving advice on the top of a mountain and he can change it to people. That would be a great reveal. That would be uh, so cool. Uh, I just sort of want to mention real quick, Scoot McNary, great actor, way underserved by this movie. Yeah. Agreed. Though I will say, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but he, there is a scene in the Ultimate Edition, the scene where Bruce pulls the, uh, what's it called, pylon or whatever, Girder. off of his legs, girder. I don't think that's in the regular version. Obviously, it's been years since I've seen it and uh, a day since I read that explainer, so I've forgotten most of that. But I don't think that scene that actually establishes Scoot McNary's character is in the movie anywhere originally. Yeah, and that's too bad because that actually does some good work. He's one of the characters where you can sort of track his thinking a little bit. So it's actually actually really helpful to have that scene. A couple other things like the idea that Batman's – First line talking to Superman is, tell me, do you bleed? And then he flies away and he whispers, you will, to himself. So dorky. So (laughs) dorky. Get out of here. He's not a serious person. Well, particularly just to give a positive about this movie again, right after you've actually had a good moment. And the good moment... It doesn't make any sense that Superman is standing in front of the Batmobile and makes it crash, but the way that they shoot the scene, and this gets back to Zack Snyder being ostensibly being a good filmmaker, even if he's not a good storyteller, 
Superman ripping the top off of the Batmobile and the two of them standing up and looking at each other cool. with the score. Yeah. Very, cool. very cool. And then cool. followed up with that dorky moment is very dumb. It diffuses all of the tension there because you're like, ah, Superman, Batman, you're going to be killed. You're going to be yeah. killed. Easily. Uh, one other question I had, like, why does Lex put his blood onto Zod to make Doomsday? Like, I don't know how that works. I don't know how he knows about it is the thing. So he goes into the Kryptonian ship, right? Yeah. And we've already established that he's a bibliophile because he was supporting the library. So when they tell him there's a big Kryptonian library in there, he's very excited. He loves yeah. it. He's like, oh, he great, reads it up. I love a big library. So he goes in there. Presumably in the library, he finds out about Kryptonian aberrations and realizes if he takes Zod's body and mixes it with his blood, he will make a creature that kills Kryptonians. Yeah, but why? I don't understand. I don't. I just didn't get it, and I thought his blood would amount to something more. But it's just like, is it any blood you throw in with a corpse and it makes a doomsday? I yeah, see I guess the recipe. So. Well, and also it's Zod, right? Like that Zod's body is yeah. being changed into this thing because of a chrysalis. Um, I the explanation he gives of the movie is he wants to prove that Superman is human, essentially not human, but like fallible and can be killed. And so he's successful. I guess Lex Luthor wins. He proves his point. But I wish he does win at the end of the movie. He's like, especially with Superman being dead at the end end point, or I guess just before the end point of this movie that like, I wish he enjoyed that instead. Mm -hmm. He's scared in jail. I was like, and also Batman has his brand and then just punches the wall. I was like, if you you well, because done he learned so a lesson. Much. He learned a lesson. Batman learned a lesson to not brand people. That was I a big did, lesson. How? I don't think he did. I don't Through think he Superman. He was inspired by Superman dying. Yeah. I wish they had said that, I guess, because I don't know how he learned that lesson. Also, when Batman is like branding, Alfred's like, you've gone too far. I'm like, you've gone too lame. What do you this is your answer to throw a little little mark on these people? What? Mm-hmm. That's not why is that more serious? Also, why are the criminals doing that? Why are the criminals like, we support you, Batman, and we're gonna take care of these criminals for you? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense either. No. Uh, none of it makes much sense. There are a couple of other things that I wanted to mention, but I do want to mention another thing that I liked. Uh, question good, mark. Good, good, good. The as much as it's unnecessary to have the sequence introducing the rest of the Justice League, I do think those shots are fun. You know, yeah. the shot of the Flash stopping somebody in a grocery store. Very fun. The Aquaman thing is kind of whatever, you know, just him coming out of a ship and being a fish man. Uh, But the cyborg thing, I had completely forgotten about that. And I like that a lot. Like it was scary. Yeah. The horror element of having a mother box recreate his body. I wish, I wish that's something we had gotten more. Instead, we cut yeah. right to Justice League, which I think we're going to be talking about next on the podcast. Um, can't wait. Uh, I, I can. I can't wait. But we'll you can't wait. Anyway. Yeah, I can't wait. Can hardly wait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it makes me – obviously, there's been like all the stuff that happened with Ray Fisher who played Cyborg outside of the movie. Yeah. There's been a lot of back and forth about that that we don't necessarily need to get into. But – I don't know. It, it, I like the idea of like a horror, horror inflected cyborg movie. That would have been yeah. very cool. Well, and uh, my question about like why didn't they just put these scenes at the end of the movie? Mm-hmm. Because it's such a weird detour. They could have easily 
there's 20 full minutes of like, let's have a long funeral for Superman at the end of this movie. Maybe that's ultimate cuts showing its uh, extended head here. But like, I feel like if they just cut away from some of that stuff to these scenes, that was like literally Dawn of Justice. And then cut back to that final moment where Superman's coffin shakes a little bit. Then we got ourselves a Justice League. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's in the middle. And then the Superman thing at the end just makes me feel like you just killed him and you're undoing it for just to do it. It, Sorry, can it, I say real quick before I forget if the coffin's a rockin' don't come a knockin'? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's okay, not just okay, it's great. <laughs> it's a classic uh, yeah, coffin. I, flop. I agree with you. I mean, ostensibly, like the idea here is that Wonder Woman is looking for her picture, which is a digital file, so maybe she doesn't know how digital files work. Maybe she's an NFT. Person. NFT. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is the only copy, right, Batman? Batman <laughs> <Yeah>. says that. <laughs> I mean, Batman's like, no, you can right click, save it, Wonder Woman. That's how it works. Come on. Very funny. I agree. That's also just a bunch of nonsense. And then uh, Batman does write a pretty cute email about it. He's like, I found your picture. <laughs> Val is so. <laughs> Uh, is he like oh Wonder Woman's 100 years old she needs large print text because her eyes are bad is that what's going on there and I like the way he sort of gaps it out he's like I found your picture the picture he's like you're the picture is you space (laughs) space who are you and then it's like I like you or something and it's just like (laughs) XOXO Bruce Wayne his his subject line is boys can share too yeah which is (laughs) so dumb so, so really done, but she gets the picture back and then almost leaves on an airline. So, I mean, I guess they wanted to put it in that sequence, but I agree. Like all of that stuff stops the movie dead. Like we talked about the nightmare stuff stops the movie dead. It doesn't seem to connect to anything. I wonder if, and probably not, but the original plan, apparently like Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio did not come up with the title for the movie. That was the studio came up with the title, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. They originally mm-hmm. wanted to call it Batman versus Superman. And he was mm-hmm. like, no, call it V. It's cooler. Like they're not Very cool. exactly Very cool. fighting. It's European almost. Exactly. It's Batman five Superman is what it is. <laughs> uh, but they wanted to make it like Justice League Rising or something, which kind of makes more sense for the movie that they were going for, uh, particularly because like Wonder Woman is all over there. You have all of this other stuff teasing. Obviously, it didn't pan out. Obviously, it doesn't matter. But if it was like this was Justice League Part 1 and the next Justice League was Justice League Part 2 and then they had a Justice League Part 3 where they fight yeah. Darkseid, maybe that would have been less nonsense. But, you know, that's just the title. Well, and the idea that the Flash... Flashpoint-esque bit in the middle, and then all of the other Justice League setup stuff, the Flash uh, dream sequence has nothing to do with the Justice League stuff. Yeah. Right? It's just total sideways setting up the Flash movie, I guess. I think... So I, I think if I remember correctly, and you haven't watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? You just watched regular Justice League? I watched Justice League in the theater once, and it was in that uh, 4D where your seat shakes and you smell flowers at the end. Oh, no. Okay. So in Zack Snyder's Justice League, they have a little bit more about this, but the idea is like that nightmare thing is real. That's what you're heading towards. The Justice League movie, they beat Steppenwolf, but it alerts Darkseid. So ostensibly in Justice League Part 2, 
Darkseid would take over the world and the Flash, who is alive, would come back and try to warn Bruce. I, I think it's because they go with the Injustice story that Darkseid kills Lois Lane, which turns Superman dark or something like that. Yeah. So it would potentially all connect together, but now it's never going to connect together. It's, cra- it's crazy to call your shot that far down the field. You're setting mm-hmm. it. First, you set up your second sequel to Justice League, first in the movie, and then secondarily, you set up your next sequel. And obviously, they didn't make any of that. But, and especially when you're doing a Flash movie, like, are they going to have to hit some of that, like, that moment? I don't know. I don't think so, necessarily, but maybe. Like, uh, I don't think Lois Lane is in it, so it wouldn't make any sense to flash back to it. No pun intended. Uh, But I guess Mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, I do think, like, on that note, my feeling, because I don't like these movies, is like, it's crazy that you did that. But there is a history in Hollywood of things where, like, Peter Jackson saying, yeah, I'm going to do three Hobbit movies, uh, not Hobbit movies, Lord of the Rings movies, give me the money for that. That obviously worked out. Uh, same thing with Dune Part 1. We're seeing Dune Part 2, and I guess we'll see how that pans out. But same sort of thing. They're like, yep, we're just doing this one movie, which is insane because it's just half a movie. It's just the book. So, yeah. Well, but I also think those all those situations were like them pitching doing these like larger projects. They didn't insert a scene that sets up a wonky second sequel in the middle mm-hmm. of your movie that is setting up that is a a movie where the standalone story and then B meant to set up your next movie. You're, instead, you're also setting up the third movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a little – I understand I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but it's a little Iron Man too, right? Like that was the problem they ran into there is they were setting up a million different things in Iron Man 2 and it felt overstuffed and there were too many things going on. Here, they're trying to jumpstart a universe. They're trying to catch up to Marvel. They're like, Marvel has had five to ten years at this point. We're just starting off. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's just kickstart absolutely everything right now. And like we're talking about – in both cases, the Iron Man 2 case, they had to pivot and just simplify things a little bit yeah. over the Marvel Universe. Here, it led to them kind of crashing and burning, to be honest. Well, because it's a it's a bigger swing because you're – A, you're interrupting your movie and you're you're inserting something that's the middle of something else. With There were too many things happening in Iron Man 2, but at least they were starting things and mm-hmm. sort of being like we're, we're pitching these little separate roads to go down. This, they drop a thing in, that is in the middle that we don't know what's happening. We don't know why. These characters that we're going to see fight later – like one kills the other one right mm-hmm. in the middle. And I was like, this, it, it just feels like such a, it's so confusing. And I know what they're doing. If you come into this movie cold, I feel like it's so confusing. This is a little different topic, but I, I looked this up because I had forgotten exactly what this is. But on the title thing, the stuff that uh, Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio originally wanted to do were either Justice League Foundations, Justice League Rising, or, and this is the most ridiculous title anybody has ever pitched in the history of titles, Son of Sun and Night of Night, where it's S-O-N <laughs> of S-U-N and K-N-I-G-H-T of N-I-G-H-T. I'll tell you what, that sounds crazy, but that is right next door to pinning your home movie on the Martha stuff. Yes. It's the same thinking. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Um, unless there are any other uh, notes for the movie, and obviously we've skipped over a lot of plot points and a lot of things that have happened here, but 
you know, that's fine. We'll, we'll do what we do. Um, if we've I, enticed you, you can always watch it yourself. There's yeah, an it's ultimate only, edition available. It's only over three hours long. Yeah. Uh, and there's a scene towards the end where Lex Luthor is talking to Steppenwolf, so it can really tee up your watch rewatch of Justice League if you want. Um, let's talk about how this affects things going forward. I know we touched on this a little bit, but like I mentioned, we're going to see Batman, Batfleck, in the Flash movie, we're going to see Ezra Miller Flash. Potentially, we're going to see some other characters as well. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about seeing these characters? And I'll throw out there, which is a wild thing to say, but Ben Affleck said about his role in The Flash, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this to him was the first time that he really felt like Batman in, in that movie. Good in wait in Batman, not Batman in the Superman. Flash. In the Flash, yeah, yeah, good. And maybe they put some character in there because I, I get it. He doesn't seem like Batman. He seems like Ben Affleck having a bad time <laughs> in this movie. So, like, hopefully, he gets to be a little bit more of a person and gets to be have a little bit of energy and character to to play with. I mean, what's interesting to me is the script for the flash was probably conceived at least structurally or the general premise and plot when this was all still happening. Mm -hmm. Then the movie went through probably many drafts and was, went into production and it was shot sort of after it was like, well, I think a lot of this is over. So I'm curious what they, what ghosts from this part of the DC universe are in this flash movie. And what sort of the present pre-James Gunn that they are establishing in this Flash movie that is also a race. So this movie has the potential to be two generations of these films behind. <laughs> yeah. And it, I thought it, it was a really good point that you brought up in terms of Ben Affleck being a party guy. Just let him do that. This is taking a big step back. But like the scene where he is pretending to be drunk when he's one funny that yeah. is funny and that is fun and that works. Like that is one of the only scenes that totally works with him. So I don't know if we need to see him be drunk and do that, but like, I don't know. I, 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 I want him to work because clearly he cares about everything that he does. So I am hoping he doesn't work for me here. He uh, spoiler, but he doesn't work for me in justice league either. Like he's not Batman right. there either. I'd be very happy if he turns out to be Batman and the Flash. I think that would be very good for him, and I would certainly like to see it. So, Well, and it just strikes me, like, people keep missing this because of the dour darkness that Bat all Batman movies seem to, in the modern era seem to have to have. But, like, the way that you show Batman's trauma and darkness is by showing the mask he puts on, the bright, positive like goof that Bruce Wayne is. They, they knew that in Batman, the animated series that he, I mean, he wasn't drunk all the time, obviously because it was a kid show, but like he was like, he had personality and brightness to them so that when he was in the, the suit and when he was facing down this darkness, it gave you something to compare it to when he's awful all the time. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't like this. Either side of this is no fun. It's only when you can see them compare to each other. It is the true pathos and the true character emerge. Yeah. The other thing that I'll throw out there that occurred to me when we were talking about this, uh, we certainly talked about this before on the podcast, but no shade necessarily to Henry Cavill. But I think like we're talking about, this is a team that just doesn't get Superman. And everything yeah. that James Gunn has talked about is he gets Superman and he loves yeah. Superman more than anything. And I think 
you do you don't need to love every comic book character. There are some things that you could you know hate or want to revamp or reinvent in some way, and that is okay. Like reinvention is okay, but there are characters that at their core work the way that they do because that's how they're built, and Superman is one of those. And to me, obviously, we'll see proof is in the pudding when we actually see the movie, but. To me, everything that James Gunn has said makes sense and works for Superman, yeah. and and that makes me excited. You know, this is they made these movies. I know there are people who love these movies, and that's absolutely fine. Love what you want to love, but I'm glad this version of Superman is being washed away. You know, I'm I'm bummed for Henry Cavill that doesn't have a job, though. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he'll be fine. He'll be all right. Uh, but whoever they're going to pick next as Superman, I think. I think they're going to get it right. I don't know. I, yeah. re- I really hope so, but I, I think they're going to. Agreed. And on the Flash front, I, I just hope that this movie doesn't isn't trapped by all of this the stuff that's set up in this movie, the, a lot of the Flash stuff in Justice League. I, I hope they have a free hand to make a movie. And it seems like the early reviews, I feel like we're slowly approaching the Flash and hearing more about it are much less glowing than the way James Gunn and others have talked about it, but they're strongly in the middle. They're like, it's a good movie. It's not the best superhero movie of all time, but it's good. And like, that's much more encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. The uh, Ezra Miller, one thing that I'll mention about that, it was very funny seeing the way they were uh, not dressed, but like their face in this one, where it was just Ezra Miller with the kind of the dirt stash and uh, scraggly hair and everything rather than a little neatened up the way they are in Justice League and in the Flash movie. So that was funny just in terms of a clearly like oh we shot this in half a day maybe and something like also that. like uh ezra's maybe dressed for another role and like, or like, <laughs> just, like it just it seems very quick and like like well we haven't thought about this yet but yeah it's fine we can have long hair they can have yep. long hair in this situation yeah uh so that's very funny i guess we'll see like you're saying, I guess we'll see if they loop back to this at all. I do think, yeah. again, we're going to see other characters from this movie and other movies in the Flash movie. So that'll be interesting. All right. There we go. I guess that is our rewatch podcast for Batman v Superman. Thank you all for tuping in. Tuping in. That's tuping. what I'm tuping. Tuning in. We appreciate it. As mentioned, Pete wanted to skip this one, but he'll be back for Justice League, a movie that he's watched a bunch of times is something that we found out. Well, and he said he's watching the long one. Yes, he is. So. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, I'll boy. say, uh, now, you know what, I'll say my thoughts uh, because yes, I have seen good. both versions. I haven't seen Justice's Grey, the version where it's Zack Snyder's Justice League, but in black and white for some inexplicable reason. Sick. Yeah, it's totally cool. This movie, very edgelord, by the way, the entire time. But we'll be talking about that next with Pete, so it'll be very interesting, a lively debate, I'm sure. If you would like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the DC Universe, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time dad you're gonna do a better job this oh dad i'm gonna ask you do you bleed (laughs) because you might you will maybe you will You, you will
You will. <laughs> you hear me? Superman, can you hear me? I know you have to I'm going to have to kill him. I don't know. 